So will you turn with me please to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We'll continue our studies on six glorious Galatian gems. Six glorious Galatian gems. This morning we hope to finish the ending of this study. And people have been letting me know that it has encouraged them and blessed them, helped them. And what we have done is we have taken one verse out of each chapter of the six chapters in the book of Galatians. And then we have spoke around that one verse. It's a little gem in each chapter. Six glorious Galatian gems, chapter six. But while you're now looking that up, let me just read the first, the six verses that we have used uh, for a basis of each week that we've been doing this study. For example, the first one was Galatians 1 and 10. Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? And the subtitle of it was, Do not live for the approval of others. And we cannot change the gospel to please others. Do not live for the approval of others. That was our very first uh, morning on it. On that, the second one was in Galatians chapter two and verse twenty. I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. And the subtitle of that one was, "You are not defined by your past." You're not defined by your past. That was week two. Galatian gem number three. Week three was found in Galatians chapter three and verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So notice we do not live for the approval of others. Then we move into right uh, where we are not defined by our past. Now we find that your worth is in Christ. That was our third subtitle. They're all fitting together, as you can see, as we go through them. Your worth is in Christ, and we looked at that also. The fourth one was in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And the fourth Galatian gem subtitle was this. You are no longer a slave or a servant. You are a son or a daughter of God. And we looked at that, how you're an heir of God. You're joint heirs with Christ. That's if you're in Christ. When a man and a woman are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Then fifthly, last week, we looked at our fifth Galatian gem, which was in Galatians 5 and verse 25. For if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Or if we... Uh, live in the Spirit, let us order our lives according to the Spirit. And the fifth Galatian gem subtitle was, Don't be led by feelings, um, emotions, or surroundings, but by the Holy Spirit. So that was our fifth one last week, and our sixth one, and God willing, our very last, because there are only six, and we hope to finish this morning, is in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Keep the Bible open. For we're going to look at other scriptures too. Galatians 6 and 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's read it again. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint 
not. So simply the subtitle is, don't grow weary and don't faint. Don't grow weary and don't faint. We want to look at this word for, I think we could all, if we're all honest with ourselves before God and with each other, we all get weary. We're human. We all get weary. And many of us get to the point where we're ready to faint. That is literally in the walk we have with Christ, in the service, in ministry, whether it's with children, teenagers, older people, whatever it may be. Your ministry may be out on the streets. Your ministry may be uh, pastoring or your ministry may be whatever it may be. It may be on the radio. And sometimes we can get weary to the point of fainting. The fainting is the falling away, the giving up. So we want to look at this morning that we are not to be weary in well-doing, but we'll look at that in particular in a moment. So many of you get weary. And it's easy when you get weary that you don't go into the closet. That is the place of prayer. You stay away from it. And instead of running to God, you run from God. You hide, but you can't hide from God, but you hide thinking you're hiding in yourself. And Paul says here that, let us not be weary in well-doing. If I was to be honest with you and you were to be honest with me, sometimes we help and we want to do our best for people and we try so long and we've maybe ministered to people for such a period of time and maybe through a time of illness or sickness or maybe they hadn't got anything and we gave of our substance, whatever it might be. Maybe it was just an ear to listen to. And maybe sometimes it's been going on for such a long time and generally what you can find in many times, many occasions is that people end up making you weary. They weary you. Some people drain you. Isn't that true? Aren't we being honest this morning? Some people just drain the life right out of you. Some people ride on your coattails to try and better themselves. Some people are the weight that you've carried that you weren't meant to carry. You get weary. And because it's well-doing, we tend to stop well-doing. And when we stop well-doing, we stop doing well. You're not doing well. You're not doing well in God. You're not doing well in the place of prayer. You're not doing well in attendance to church. You used to be, you, you wouldn't maybe, I'm speaking not to anyone in particular, but we used to be you wouldn't have missed a service. Used to be you'd have been on fire for God. Used to be you'd have been at every meeting. Used to be you couldn't wait to get finished work to make sure you're in the house of the Lord. And you're not doing well in the place of worship. You're not doing well when you're reading the word. You're not doing well. And sometimes it's because you've been drained by people. There's just nothing to give. Do you not realize that it's at those times that you should be at those places where you're not? And you should be in that place with God where you've left. Doing well costs the giver. Costs time. It can cost effort. It can cost you even your own sanity at times. Paul says, don't stop 
doing well. Don't faint. Don't back from it. Oh, I've been ministering and trying to give my heart and all they get is complaints or all they get is, listen, whether it's from the sound desk and the musicians or the singers or the youth or whatever it may be and the children and the crashes and all of this and you just feel like throwing the head up and the hands up, I've had enough. It could be in your home. could be in your workplace. Yes, someone has graded you, used you, abused you, hurt you, disillusioned you, discouraged you. Listen, don't get weary in your well-doing. Don't do it as unto the people, but do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because you're going to reap if you faint not. And it's at that moment when we're about to give up that the Lord's about to step in. It's about at that moment when we're about to throw our heads up and the hands in the air and walk away that God's about to do something in your life. And sometimes we give up praying and we give up looking, we give up searching and seeking His face and you just, you just get tired of it. Listen, what Christians sometimes need to do is learn to rest in God. What does that mean? I'd be honest, I have a problem sometime with it myself. Learn to rest in God means understanding that in the situation you're in with the people you're dealing with at that time, understanding that when you're resting in God is when you have been doing well uh, and well-doing for such a long time that, that, that you need to rest and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I rest it into your hands until your strength gathers. So learn to rest in God and don't quit. Learn to rest in God and do not quit. Don't give up. And don't give in. Because here in this little gem, let us not be weary in well-doing, in due season. Notice due season. Maybe just the due season hasn't come yet. It's not the due season for the reaping yet. But Lord, I'm weary and I'm tired and I've been praying so hard and I've been praying so long and I've been trusting for this and, and Lord, I've been ministering in and all they've done is throw it in my face and they've kicked the dirt on me. All they've done is turned their back on me. They've backstabbed me. They've spoken bad about me or X, Y, Z. And the thing is, join the club. Some people you have ministered to, some people you have been in their house at the worst and direst of times. Some people think you're the greatest, biggest hero that ever lived and on one little thing and you're the biggest, littlest zero that ever was, that could ever exist. Don't you give in. You have to remember that your heavenly Father is sovereign. Sovereign. Now, when we say sovereign, we mean sovereign here. We don't mean sovereign and then think, well, he is only able to do things if we allow him. Your father is sovereign, Lord. Sovereign God over all things. Not because you allow him nor let him, but he is sovereign at all times and he allows us to partake in his service. So do it unto him. Yes, you get weary. We all get tired, but don't be weary in well-doing. 
because you might find you'll end up not doing well. I want to look at some of these things where if we faint not. I want to look at this, just a few, uh, a few words where faint, or a few verses where the word faint has been used throughout the scriptures. Very interesting. Turn with me for the first one to Genesis 25 that we'll look at, please. Genesis 25. And I think we all know the story, so let's just go to verse 29. This is Jacob and Esau. And here comes Esau and his fainting fit. And Jacob sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field and he, he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and sold his birthright unto Jacob. When Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up, and he went his way, thus Esau despised his birthright. The idea here is that he come, Esau comes from the field and he's wearied. And he says, I'm faint. Now, notice how he goes, I'm faint. By the next verse, I'm ready to die. Now, he wasn't ready to die. The idea was that he felt so faint. Yes, maybe he thought, oh, I could die. I'm not going to make it. But he wasn't ready to die. In fact, Esau lived for quite a long time. And I think lentils and a bit of bread wouldn't have just cured everything for him. The idea was some venison. The idea here is this that he was thinking this birthright is nothing to me, so I'll die anyway sometime. And sometimes when our weakest points, whether it's our weakest points in maybe the flesh, maybe you have been feeling well, maybe you've been weak in body or whatever, it could be in your mind. And we're faint. Here's something that I wrote down early this morning, just a little thought that dropped into me. Do not make rash decisions. There's people that are going to make rash decisions at their weakest point. There's people that make rash decisions when they're feeling at their worst, at their lowest. Because, well, sure, whatever will be, will be. I feel I'm at the point to die. Well, sure, you might as well have the birthright, Jacob. Now, God was giving Jacob the birthright anyhow. That's neither here nor there, but it shows you the wisdom of God before it even happened. So notice this, no matter what you're feeling at this moment in time, do not make rash decisions because a rash decision can cost you dearly. Esau didn't die. Not at this point anyhow. Esau lived on. In fact, we read later that, that you know, it's Esau who chases Jacob with his strength. So when you feel at your weakest, don't make a rash decision, but rather wait before you make that decision. 
let God guide you in that. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 20, please. These are just little bits, by the way. Deuteronomy chapter 20. And verse 1. We'll just read the first four verses. Notice what the Lord says through Moses. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when ye are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, fear not, and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them, for the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Notice, you're about to faint. The enemy's too great, he's too big, he's too tall, he's too strong, he's all of those things. This situation, this problem, this circumstance, whatever it is that's coming your way, that's come to your door, that's landed in your home, again, in your family, there's no way I can see a way around it or through it or even over it. It's all too much for me. I remember Pastor Gordon McGee saying one time that every day he has a mountaintop experience. Either I'm on top of the mountain, he says, or the mountain is on top of me. And it's not true. We all have everyday mountaintop experiences. Either the mountain is, we're on top of the mountain or the mountain is on top of us. It's how we deal with that situation. It's what the Word of God says about it. And the enemy comes in around Israel and they're saying they're too big. The mountain's on top of us. It's too much for us. So they call for a priest and he brings God's word and the idea is that he prophesies that God is with them. Oh, that Britain would have someone to prophesy unto the nation to let them know that God is with us. Notice the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies. God is with you and for you. Whatever it is against you. He says, do you not know I'm God that brought you out of Egypt? Do you not know that the one who brought you through under the blood of the Lamb? Do you not know that the God who brought you through the Red Sea dry shot? Do you not know the God who brought you out the other side? Do you not know that same God is with you? He's with you wherever you go. He's with you with whatever your task is. He's with you with whatever you have to do. And he's saying, but I'm faint and I'm weak and I'm weary. You see, you see yourself as the grasshopper. That's what the spies said. They're giants and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. 
The idea is to understand that whatever you're facing, whatever has come your way, whatever trouble, mourning, or whatever worry or fretting it is, whatever enemy has come into your home or your family, whatever has come against you, whatever comes into against CET, I, I have my worries, I have my struggles, and I have my fears, but I have to yield them all to the sovereignty of God. What about this Lord and that one and another one or this one's against us or that one's not, against, or not with us and, and this one's left us or this, that or the other. And so what I must do is say, well, Lord, you're sovereign and so you're not against me, you're for me, so we'll continue on in you and the victory that you have for us. Come on, Christian, that's what we must do, CET. God is on our side. Not because we're so wonderful, but because he chose to. <laughs> because he chose it. So victory, you listening, is already yours. Victory is already yours. God has already won it all. Go with me, if you will, please. I want you to show you something in Joshua chapter 2. It shows you that in our weakest, he is still strong. God's strength does not depend on our strength. This is the story of uh, Rahab. And the two spies are sent into Jericho. And Rahab brings them in while the enemy are looking for them within the gate. And we know the story. She uh, keeps them safe and they're told she, they tell her that when the enemies or the armies of Israel come in uh, they're going to be spared but they put a scarlet thread as it were down out of the window there's the scarlet thread of, that speaks of the blood goes from Genesis the whole way through to Revelation and that was the scarlet thread that kept the walls falling where they were falling down and there was Rahab's house and it still stood because of the scarlet thread of faith. That's how you stand, through the scarlet thread of the blood of Christ. Notice here, let's just for time's sake, let our eye run down to verse 9. Notice how your enemy sees you, Christian. And she, that is Rahab, said unto them, that's the two spies, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Notice, and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. What? God's already, here's a woman says, I know God's on your side. I know God's on your side. And what happens is the enemy, listen, do you know the devil looks at you at times and you're in your weakness? Do you think it, do you think when you're in your weakness or whether you're in your full strength that you on your own is able for the devil? You know how you defeat the devil in your weakest of moments? You realize that your God is on your side. You see, in your weakest of moments, in the times when you feel the most and you feel that you're at your lowest ebb and you're, you're at your worst place that you've ever been, well, here's what you do. Get on your knees. And when you get us that we're on your knees, or you can stand, I was standing this morning, and you know, yes, I had a nice couple of days away with Alison. It was good to spend time with her. But this morning, for some reason, it must have been the word. I was mentally being attacked, 
spiritually under stress. I never even mentioned the Allison. I went down. I was up early and was away just getting things ready and preparing. I stood in the living room and I just stood and says, Lord, I just thank you that even when I feel here at my weakest, that is in the mind. When I'm at my weakest, Lord, I'm just being honest with you, God. You know, God just wants you to be honest with him. God knows how you're feeling, by the way. He wants you to be honest with him. Adam, where art thou? Where art thou, Adam? Adam's hiding from him. Sure, God knew who he was, fine, rightly. Why did he ask? He wants him to come and speak to him. I want you to come to me and tell me what's happened. Lord, I don't know what it is this morning, but this is heavy on me. And I feel a crushing of it. I'm being honest with you, Lord. I don't even want to go here this morning. But I know, I know that the devil may think that I'm at my weakest, but when he sees me, he's not looking at me. He sees I have a great big God with me. He sees I have the Almighty on my side. You know when you're at your weakest? You know when you can't even muster the strength? I was talking to a man. He might be listening to this, so I'll mention his name. He follows us. been following for quite some time. And he's, he's in Missouri in the United States. He's called Richard Hirschberger. So, Richard, if you're listening, I remember talking to you yesterday. And... Um, on the phone, or it was on Facebook Live or one of those things, anyway. And he said to me, he was that week, not so long ago, he was lying in bed, speaking to the Lord in his head, because he couldn't just speak, and then he had no words to say. And he just says, Holy Spirit, pray through me. See, Jesus is in you as your intercessor. Pray for me. And you know, that's what we do. The devil doesn't look and say, oh yeah, he might see you weak. He might think your weakest position is once you get on your two knees. But you know, when you kneel before God, you can stand before anyone. Do you know when you're on your knees, as the hymn writer said, the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees? When you're on your knees, you're in your strongest position. Do you know that? When you're on your knees in prayer or standing in prayer, you're in the presence of the Lord because we can enter into his presence. And I'm encouraging myself because I've read this. And I, as I read it, it encouraged me that here I am. Lord, what is wrong with me this morning? But I realize, I'm just being honest with you. Didn't we say we'd be honest this morning? I don't even want to go here. What's wrong with my mind? I want to hide. Can I go and lead us, people? My mind's thinking, I'm sure the devil's laughing at you. I'm sure the devil's having a field day and he's laughing at you. You're hilarious to him. And the Lord just dropped it into me. Listen, when the devil looks at you, he's not seeing you at your weakest. You know what he's seeing? He's seeing your God in you. He's seeing your God is with you. He's seeing the Almighty and he's trembling.
Rahab says, we're trembling because we know God is with you. Now listen, brother, sister, everywhere you go, you'll leave here today very shortly. And when you go out those doors and you get into your car and you're driving home, don't you forget this word. If you've heard anything throughout this series, if you've heard anything throughout this day, if you've heard anything at all in this service from this sermon, if you've heard anything, hear this. When you go home and you've locked your door or you're in wherever it is and you're on your own, don't you forget the word of the Lord to your heart this morning. You may be at your weakest. You may be at your lowest. You may be mentally, spiritually, or physically weak. But devil looks at you, and all he can see is when you're in Christ is God is on your side. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of you. Don't you be afraid of him. He's afraid of you. Verse 10 says, notice Rahab says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. Hey? Did we sing that this morning, Rebecca? You split the seed. No, we didn't. That was the week before or something, wasn't it? I'm getting my songs mixed up with them now. God split the Red Sea for Israel, and she's saying, We've heard what He's done for you. We have heard what happened to the Egyptians. We have heard about their gods and how you have destroyed them that followed those false gods. We have heard about that. I wish Britain would hear. I wish Britain would realize that even with the Babylonian system of Europe and their, their false economies and gods, I wish they would understand that it's going to come tumbling down like Pharaoh and the Egyptians did in the Red Sea and that they would cut all strings and just set sail into God. That's another sermon. I better move on here. Notice, and what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og, and ye, whom ye utterly destroyed. You have destroyed devils you don't even know about, I said. I'm going to share this with you. It's just come to me. I don't want to run over time this morning. I want to get away and get your tea. Because I know you're excited about coming to church tonight. So, two, two kings here representing two false idols, two demon gods, two demon following peoples. So, Alison and I were in 20 years ago in Romania, and we came home and be next year, it will be 20 years next year. And I took ill. And there was a lot that happened and the stress of it was immense. I can't, I'll not go into it, it just wouldn't be right. It was immense at home. Uh, we were outcasts. We were attacked in every side. We had a couple to a few friends. And we were going through such a time like never before. We ended up that I took ill um, and I was going through various tests, even for cancer. I took a limp. My 
Alison had to put my socks on in the morning. I took so well, I was, wasn't able to dress myself. It was actually when I was able to get up walking, they put me, sent me to a clinic, arthritis clinic in the city hospital in Belfast. Pumping me with tablets for arthritis, yet I didn't have it. Trying to ease the pain. Remember one night, used to wake up with blood and red and pink marks all over the pillow from stress from my head, believe it or not. Blood coming from this from my pores. The stress. Took so well. Um, Alison had to get me out of bed. Like she used to work in a, in a nursing home for the old people and she knew how to get them out of bed. That's how she got me out in pain, crying with the pain of it. Thought there was no end of this. Thought, well, I'm going to be going to lose my life. My mind started to go. I sat and looked at the wall, read the scriptures all day, couldn't do anything. Alison, at this point, had we found she was expecting. She's working then in a nursing home, trying to bring somebody, and we were totally broke. I had a dream one night. We lived in the little uh, factory houses. I mean, these are really small. In Donna Cloney. I dreamt one night the door rubs and I go down the stairs and open the door, small, small hallway. There's an old man standing at the door in white hair, a little bit of a beard. And I knew him, but I couldn't place him. He stands looking at me and he says, you know me? I said, I do. He says, I know you. And I said, I do. He goes, follow me. He walks this way. To the next door. There's no gardens there, just the next door. And I come out in my dream walker and he walks into the next door. And there all of a sudden there's like a room there and there's a big what looked like a big cabinet on the wall. And on the back on the wall here at this corner was a, a hole this size, a round, perfectly round hole. And over this side there was a golden box, like a very large shoe box. I'm standing looking at them. And he said, see that shoe bo- or that box? I said, he says, that's yours. It's for you. Go take it. What's in it? Go take it. It's yours. But what's in it? Go take it. It's yours. So I go over and I go to lift it. And from here, out of this comes a giant rat. It's this height. Massive thing. Runs along. And if anybody knows me, rats aren't my thing. I can't do rats. I could even, I could wrestle a mouse. But I can't do a rat. And my dream is petrified, petrified, muscle thing. And I jumped back and went, no, it doesn't matter. I don't want it. He says, that's your gift. It's your gift. Take it. And I go to take it again. The big rat runs out again. And I come back again. I go, I can't take this. Petrified in my dream. 
And he says, what are you afraid of? And I remember I found it nearly comical in the sense where I started to laugh and I thought, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid of that giant rat. Look at the size of it. He says, why are you afraid of that? There's your blessing. Go and take it. He says, every time I go over, that thing runs out. I'm petrified of rats, but look at the size of that. I, I, I can't go and do that. He says, I don't know why you're afraid. He says, you've already slain two. I says, I haven't slain two. He says, look down. And I looked down and there was two giant rats under my feet. Dead. He says, you have slain the enemy. Now take the blessing. And I went and took the box. And when I opened it, it was just full of amber light, golden light. And I woke up. And the Lord blessed me ever since that. The blessing started to come. My body started to heal. Everything started to come. I just found out I had to change a diet. And I was perfectly whole. You see, many of you have already slain your two kings. Because you're in Christ. You've been through so much and you've already done it. You've accomplished it. The victory has already been yours. The blessing is there, but you're still afraid of the rat that's already dead. Still afraid of it. You know, the Lord Jesus in Luke 18 and verse 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't give up. And don't give in. Go with me to Isaiah 40. We're going to wrap up very soon. I was talking a couple of weeks or three, whatever it was ago, and the pastor Aaron, about certain things in the miraculous in the spiritual realm that had happened to me throughout my walk in ministry as well, I was talking and he said, you should preach about those things sometime. And I might do that for his glory. But I said, you know what my, my fear is? That it looks as if it's the man, not the Christ. It's my only fear. For once it comes to be about the man and not the Christ, we've lost it. Isaiah 40, please, and let's just run, let our eyes run down to verse 29. In fact, let's go 28, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is where you see, there is your strength. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the to who? Say it again, to the and so when you're faint, where do you get your power from the Lord? He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength even the youth shall faint and be utterly weary and the young men shall utterly fall that is, even in the young men who's in the fullness of their strength young men full of health and strength, they get weary. 
they fall off their way. They must sleep. But they that wait upon the Lord, there's no age limit here. You notice that? Nor too young, nor too old. There's no age limit. They, that's you, male and female, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Church, could we read that last verse together? And when you read it, notice the positive note in it, the positivity of it. They shall, they shall, they shall. Not they might, or there's a possibility that they will. They shall. And the waiting isn't, we're going to sit here and do nothing. The waiting is, we're going to enter into your presence. I'm going to worship you anyhow, Lord. I'm going to praise you in the bad times and in the good, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord is to be praised. I'm going to praise you when I'm weak. And whenever I can't sing, and whenever I can't speak, and when I can't pray, I'm still going to sit in quietness, and my mind's going to think about you. And when my mind is too weak to think about you, Lord, I'm going to sit and say, Lord, here I am. I'm going to read your word. And when my mind can't take in your word, when my eyes can't read your word, then I will sit and I will say, Lord, here am I. Still use me. weakest of moments he gets the glory you see when you're at your strength and you're doing well we tend to forget we tend to forget let's read verse 31 read it loud will you church okay verse 31 I take you're reading from the KJV in here by the way I hope nobody's down there reading the NIV I know everyone over there reading some other spurious version we're all on the KJV okay let's read it But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You shall. Don't faint and don't be weary in well-doing. I finish with this then. Hebrews 6 and 10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which he hath showed toward his name that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. That's my last scripture. When you go home, uh, jot down and look. I call it the bigger picture, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. The bigger picture, that's what it is. That's whom we're serving. That's what it's for. Keep your eyes on the Lord and... So let me read this, and this is me definitely finished. The last one was a false alarm, but this one isn't. <laughs> this one isn't. Here is a page from John Wesley's diary. Great preacher. We think of the Methodist movement. We think of what the Methodist movement uh, was, and we think of how uh, the preaching was, and uh, some of the preachers that came from that Methodist movement. But they didn't get it easy. Here's a a page from John Wesley's diary. Sunday morning, the 5th of May, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Now, most preachers go, what? I'm so disheartened. Sunday evening, the 5th of May, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Most of us would be going, Lord, maybe my ministry's wrong. Sunday a.m., May the 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday p.m. the 12th of May, priest at St. George's, kicked out again, he writes. Sunday a.m. May the 19th, 
preached at somebody else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m. May 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Sunday a.m. May the 26th, preached in Meadow. Chased off Meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Somebody turned a bull loose on him in the middle of a service. Eh? I was going to say something, it doesn't matter. How do we get so discouraged in this day and age? How is it we, what's wrong with men? Sorry, brothers, but what is wrong with men? It's this snowflake liberalized generation we're living in. That's what's wrong. Men need to be men. I know we can all be discouraged, and I know people have problems. This is the end of his page, ready? Sunday a.m., June the 2nd. Preached out at the edge of town. Kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June the 2nd. Afternoon service. Preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. What if he had given up the week before? What if he had given up the fortnight before? But what if he had given up that morning before that afternoon service and said, I've just had enough? What if he had given up? 10,000 people came to hear him preach. It's like when John Knox was in Scotland preaching. And he used to have meetings at five in the morning in the field, the reformer of Scotland. And it's a story of one man who went to all his meetings walking along and he sees a man whom he knew in the town of Edinburgh who was an atheist coming out at five in the morning going up the street and he says to him, friend, what has you up at this time of the morning? And the atheist says, I'm going to hear the preacher John Knox. And the man says, but you don't believe in God. He says, I know, but he does. See, people want to know, do you believe in God? Do you believe in him? Father, take your word this morning and inscribe it in our hearts. Since God be for us, who then can be against us? Bless your people, Lord, and give them a heart of zeal and passion and fire and help us to set aside the, the things of our comforts, Lord, get back into the line of service and following Christ. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.